This is Offspin. The traditional investments like fixed deposits and recurring deposits do not allow me to do that. I have to break it. Then only I have to do that. And or I have to open a new FD. I mean, I can't be opening for a 25 year old goal. I can't have a you know family of fixed deposits open. That doesn't make sense. And uh, also, when you break an FD, you or when you when the FD matures, you have to pay tax on the entire thing. and you are paying tax every year because of the tds whether you uh, you know redeem it or not you are going to pay tax on the fd there is so you need an instrument where you pay tax only on the amount you withdraw and when you withdraw that's and it. when you withdraw precisely this is that of spin original you've all been waiting for it's time for let's get rich with Patu So today's episode Patu diving straight into it is on you know it's as old as time this entire concept of lending somebody money or udhar as we call in India the different names for it bond debt uh, etc etc and i i don't even know if it's all under the same un- umbrella but my sense is it perhaps is right it's the most basic concept where here i have some money to give you you want it you can take it for me for some time uh and when you return it give me that same amount of money back and some more for all the trouble i took to give you that money or because you kept it for that amount of times etc in modern times as you just said but to it's perhaps not such a sexy idea as an investment concept but what is this entire world of debt about um would man be able to survive without it <laughs> that's a very deep uh, question yeah so uh, debt is what keeps us all alive the banks thrive on uh, debt and uh, the economy depends on the banks um we all know how debt works but the the problem is that when we uh, open a fixed deposit in a bank we don't often realize that we are the ones who are lending money to the bank yeah we are uh, we make it a point to uh, say home loan and we make it a point to say we know that we are taking money from the bank but when an fd is the bank taking a loan from us but that doesn't often uh, ring a bell that way so yeah so that that is a very complex object and especially when it is linked to the market so uh, when it's just two people and i borrow money from you for two years and after two years i give you the money back i pay the interest either in between or after at the end of the two years it's the simplest product ever but the moment you start saying that in the middle in between those two years i can take this this bond between us this agreement between us and sell it to somebody else the whole thing changes it becomes much more complex it becomes more fascinating than equity investments so that's how and are all debt instruments based like that basically when we give the money we don't really know what they're doing with it um or are there some debt instruments that are very safe where we know exactly who's keeping it and for how much time and what use they're putting it to So safety is a very 
subjective thing. So now um, there are two kinds of risks. One is the risk that you actually see, the visible risk and the invisible risk. Everybody appreciates that the stock market is risky because they can see the price moving up and down. Or exactly. Yeah. Zooming up or zooming down or whatever. So that's the visible risk. That's actually a, a nice thing because you know it's risky. I mean, uh, debt is largely invisible risk because uh, everything works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, to the to answer your first question, almost always we don't know what the money is going to be used for. Whether we uh, loan the money to the government via small saving schemes, via bonds, etc. or corporates or anything. Unless we are actually some kind of investor in a company holding 20%, 10% stake where we have some say in how the money should be used. Most often when we use it as a savings instrument, we don't know what the money is going to be used for. There is some amount of trust, but the problem is that, uh, maybe I can talk about it later, it's a very counterintuitive thing. The the riskier the uh, borrower, the more interest they have to pay. And un- unfortunately, most people don't see it like that. They only see the interest and, oh, this guy is giving, giving me 10% FD, 12% FD. There's a reason why they are doing that. And uh, it's counterintuitive that a person who is unable to pay or who is not uh, fiscally healthy has to shell out more in terms of interest, which means that it's, that's why they call it the debt snowball. It, uh, you, you know, you become more and more entrenched in, yeah. in debt. So yeah, it's a fascinating idea. Now, I know this show is entirely about the individual listener or viewer, it's about us, it's about personal finance, it's about saving and investing for the future. But just to take a step back a little uh, and be a little philosophical as usual, we are on the show. You know, whenever you go to a, say an RIA, like Vikram, for example, right? And you show him your entire financial situation and there's debt, there's always, in an individual's position, there's always the first intention is to pay that off, clear that debt, right? Um... And therefore, we've been brought up to think debt is a bad thing. Uh, don't take loans. Why? It's, you know, you don't want, you want to sleep well at night, uh, live within your means, don't take debt. And yet, why do governments take debt? Why do corporates take debt? And how do we, uh, how do we make in our mind this world of debt say, yeah, maybe for personal reasons, it's not a good thing. But without governments and corporates borrowing our money for debt, we might not have that, uh, you know, cushion for risk and and volatility. Yeah. So the 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 government is uh, probably the most unstable. Typical. Most governments are, are probably unstable financial institutions. If you think of it as a company, it's very very unstable. It can fold anytime. It's just that they have the power to print money or change policy. That's what keeps them afloat. So the uh, their situation with most government is that that they are spending way way more than they are earning and that is the reason why they need to borrow and some amount of borrowing is always healthy because you need to create equality in society you can't leave some people behind you have to give them subsidies and so on so that that is essential but the, i mean obviously this borrowing can become so high like in the case of pakistan for now that uh, their currency becomes uh, devalued. Right. So it's a very complex idea. But uh, of, of course, in the case of corporates, the reason they borrow is to grow. And mm. many of them want to grow uh, in a greedy manner and that gets them into trouble. But again, it's all about growth uh, in, the, in the case of corporates. So in essence, 
I mean, from my perspective, debt and fixed income is a great thing, right? Uh, I'm s- very slowly, actually very quickly starting to realize how important it is, right? As you've always said, it's fi- it should be 50% of your entire portfolio. So debt is a good thing. You know, during the little bit of research I did, Argentina is offering bonds at 26% patto. I would like to put all my money into that, right? Um, India is offering government bonds at, I think, 7.7%. I did a, ge- a quick Google search. Did you answer it already? And the reason between the difference between these two countries is because Argentina is just way more risky. Um, but then again, 27%, it's so tempting. You're and you always assume debt is a guaranteed payout, right? No, no, no. You're not going to get your money back at those levels. That is the counterintuitive idea that we should appreciate uh, primarily. So the guy who is unable to uh, pay is expected to pay more. And that's, I mean, from a basic layman idea, that's very counterintuitive. I mean, the guy can't pay more. Uh, I mean, he, uh, if he can pay more, he won't pay. But that is the, that's how the risk premium, the concept of risk premium works. So you take a risk and you demand a premium proportional to that risk. Hmm. But unfortunately, the risk can be so high that, uh, you know, the, the whole country can fold. Uh, so take a look at all our neighbors. Uh, Sri Lanka is in trouble. Pakistan is in trouble. Bangladesh is not doing so great. Uh, India is shining because of multiple reasons. One is its entrepreneurship is, uh, you know, growing. We have a stable democracy. We also have a stable economy and a uh, stable currency. All these matters. Argentina does not have a stable currency. In fact, mm. if you look at the Argentine stock market, it it is like a roller coaster. Because people in the US, there are traders in the US who dominate the stock market every day. Whereas if you look at the Indian stock market, it has become stable over time. Because more and more participants, uh, especially retail participants, and therefore via them, the mutual funds, they have made our economy stable. We don't need these foreign investors, you know, uh, up until 2013, 14, 15 or so, the foreign investors were the guys who were, you know, determining returns in the country. And one more important idea uh, related to debt is we have a huge cushion called the National Savings Fund. All the money that goes into our PPF, right? Senior Citizen Savings Scheme, monthly uh, post office RDs, monthly income schemes, everything coming to the post office money and the uh, all the small savings schemes, all that is pooled into one big fund. And that fund is a cushion that none of the superpowers have. Interesting. And Tell me more, look, Patu. I'm very curious now. For example, look, my yeah. first question is, how do they keep my PPF amount safe? See, it is not a question of... Uh, that amount is not safe. It's not held anywhere. You you okay. put in money, it just goes into that ocean called the National Savings Fund. And the government is going to borrow from it. The government is going mm. to take that money and use it to build roads, whatever, whatever. They're going to fund their enterprises with that. It is just that when you want it, it will be there. The, the account will show when you look at your, take your PPF passbook and um, update it, it will show this many lakhs. But that yeah. doesn't actually mean that many lakhs is going to be there. I mean, it's it's a matter of accounting. You, know, right. you understand? So, but that's the sovereign guarantee. The, the guarantee is that when you are ready to uh, close the account and you want to withdraw, it will be given to you. 
the government is hoping that the entire nation will not withdraw at the same time right so uh, which is the which is which brings us to the franklin situation later on but uh, we had which to... we will talk about in detail but patu yeah. why did you, i'm very curious why you said uh, our national savings fund is this big cushion for our country which the superpowers don't have why do they not have it they only have bonds right they only have bonds and those bonds can be traded and that trading can cause the value of the bonds to you know go up or come down and the, there's a volatility there whereas the national savings schemes cannot be traded that fund it's several thousand crores by now and uh, many investors swear by it right and mm. so uh, that is a rock solid component of our economy of course india is trying to deepen the bond market make more players come in and so on and i would say in about 15 years or so uh retail investors would be buying and selling bonds left and right just like trading has picked up now uh, especially after corona uh, the number of people doing f and o the number of people trading them it is exponentially increased absolutely so that is going to happen and that will deepen the bond market and make it more stable so the government can afford to you know uh spend more than they they can because of this cushion of the So this is data. I mean, the source of this is from the economic survey. The economic survey has noted this several times. This is the survey that is released on the day before the budget, right? Every year, and they have noted this several times that we we have this cushion that more. So, uh, I mean, I would say things are in a good place for our country, and we should be very proud of it. But I'm a little worried when you said the government still borrows from it. Uh, are they allowed to invest that money somewhere so that it grows? Because it no, does. They, No, they have to borrow, and I mean, of course, the moment you open a PPF, it is automatically borrowing. The government has borrowed that money. The moment you yes. have, so they are free yes. to do whatever they want with it, and they have to lend to the states. And uh, many states are in an extremely poor situation mm -hmm. because of their own uh, subsidy issues, and they have been, you know, uh, giving left and right schemes, uh, reverting back to the old pension scheme, etc., etc. So the states are a problem, which is why, if you notice. the central government bond if it trades at 7% there are bonds from the state government which trade at 9% 10% which that is a risk premium there is a risk involved because the state already is in a very poor shape so the higher the interest they offer the worse their financial situation is and that is the right. true of many cases rbi said this many times here's another ridiculous question please indulge me patu right what if you So it's two part. One is what if you had absolutely zero opportunity to have debt in your portfolio? You can only do equity, right? What would happen to your current situation? And to the opposite, um, you only have access to debt and no equity at all, right? So hundred percent in both cases. What do you think would happen hypothetically in those cases? What if an investor, retail investor, had no, had only hundred percent access to one or the other, and which one would you choose over the other? it is not a hypothetical situation because staunch muslims who follow the muslim investing law the sharia law they cannot hold any debt in fact right. i get asked this question a lot i cannot hold fixed income what are my options i don't know what to answer because we do not have as to my uh, knowledge we don't have a islamic banking system in india yes so but it's huge in the middle east right Yes, it is the we don't have Islamic bonds, so we don't have the Sharia compliance in debt. And uh, if you take many funds, we take for example, I I 
before 2008, I used to tell them invest in arbitrage funds. Arbitrage are fixed income like in risk, but they're tax like equity. Right. But uh, they used to hold almost all the money in arbitrage equity. opportunities. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, yeah, equity. Yeah, that's yeah. equity. E equity in the cash segment and e the corresponding equity in the derivative segment. So that they will have the right. only equity, right? But after 2008, all arbitrage funds became hybrid funds. Mm. They hold 36% fixed income up to, which means uh, the, the, the Sharia compliant uh, uh, Muslim cannot invest in it. So that makes their, so they can only invest in gold, real estate, uh, the stock market, of course. So that makes, what that happens is that that makes their portfolio and extremely volatile. Right. And they only have to hold cash in a current account, which does not offer any uh, interest. So that's the problem. So that the 100% equity means your entire, you're essentially putting uh, your uh, portfolio in the hands of luck. 100% equity, gold, whatever, everything is like that. 100% uh, fixed income, you are guaranteed to fail because it will not beat inflation. After tax, it will never beat inflation. You can take all the risks you want. If you take too many risks, you will lose your principal. Because that is the problem in, in debt. If you make a loss, the loss is almost always permanent. You, you, if, you, if the uh, borrower has defaulted, that's it. That money is essentially gone. Nobody will touch that bond. Mm. In equity, if it falls, you have an opportunity for it to move up. Because you have a basket of stocks. I mean, you, if you hold only one stock, then it is dangerous, obviously. But if you have yeah. a basket of stocks, then you are in reasonably good hands. So those are the extremes. Which one would you choose? Neither. Thankfully, I have the luxury to uh, choose a 50-50 kind of portfolio. Right. Um, it's so interesting, you know, about... I perhaps want to delve in deeper into why, uh, you know, Muslims are not allowed... Uh, debt, etc. But I guess it's from the basic idea of them thinking borrowing and lending is perhaps frowned upon, right? I think that's the entire basis of it. Yes. And, and perhaps, go sorry, ahead. Uh, sorry, uh, the whole idea of compound interest was frowned upon uh, in uh, in the previous years, uh, in the probably in the last century or before that. The whole idea of interest gaining interest, mm. that was considered to be, uh, you know, uh, devilry. So, <laughs> they yeah. didn't like that. Many many cultures banned compound interest. They only gave simple interest. And so, I think it stems from there. It, I think it's considered evil to take advantage of another person. I mean, we are not experts on religion, but... Yeah. That's... What about an individual who has a fantastic salary and can put away, save twice as much as he's spending every month or she is spending every month? Then debt may work, right? It again, it may work until it doesn't. I mean, yeah. uh, if the income suddenly stops, uh, then th those are the kind of risks that you take. I mean, there are many people in hindsight, you can say, I have never invested in mutual funds. I have never invested in equity. But that is after 20 years of earning. They right. they made the wealth. But you can't do that when you're starting out. That is a big risk. And, and they themselves could have made a ton more money if they had invested in equity. So, got it. 
Patu, I, I love these discussions and the directions they take. Uh, I'm looking at our timer and it's already past 18 minutes. And so perhaps we should dive into the entire meat of the matter. The listeners must be wondering what we're up to. But yes, what are the different debt instruments available to an investor today? Which How do we start breaking down this world of what our opportunity is? And, and perhaps to give you some kind of train of thought that I'm leaning towards is, you know, remember when we broke down mutual funds, right? In the masterclass. Uh, you from 800 you brought it down to literally 5 or 10 um, if we could try and follow that same uh, train of thought or maybe we don't maybe debt is different but over to you yeah so um, fixed income options has increased in India recently it was always a very strong part of our culture uh, the most common is the post office saving schemes or the small saving schemes. Of course, you don't need to invest only in the post office. Some of these are available. PPF and senior citizens are available in the banks as well. And then there are bank fixed deposit, recurring deposits. Uh, and of course, the good old LIC policy or the endowment policy, they were also, they're also fixed income, but fixed income with middlemen involved, which is why their returns are low. So those are the traditional uh, op uh, opportunities. Now, then there are chit funds. The, these are done by the local societies. They'll they'll borrow and amongst a small pool of people and give money back and so on. It's risky if you don't know who you're It's got a very negative shine now because of the entire Sahara uh, situation, yeah, right? So, I'm not talking I about that. I didn't know they exist. Do they exist for people like us? And are they regulated? Yeah, yeah. There, there are the, the small communities still do it. Right. Uh, my mother used to do it. It's a very small thing. One guy in the office would start okay. and the employees would come in or one guy in a society would start and then the members would come in. Uh, those are still very strong. The corporate chit funds, the chit fund as it's called, that has uh, you know, lost its sheen because of several defaults, people running away uh, you know, on, uh, with the money and so on. So I mean, I'm just saying as an option it is there but of course one should uh, properly stay, uh, stay away from that. Can you delve a little bit into how it works very quickly and is there an online version of it or is it all done on trust and literally cash? <laughs> I hope there is not an online version of it. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I'm. Uh, there are some details which escape me. It's just that one guy says, he pulls in money and he says, I'll give you double or, you know, 1.5 times after a certain period and so on. You can also borrow from it. It's just a pool of money. Uh, which so after everyone puts in say 10 rupees 100 people something uh, like that and then and that, when, when you want it you take it out or are you guaranteed payouts you you are guaranteed payout if you wait the whole term or you can borrow from it in the middle for a slightly lesser return or something like that you had it's something like it works like a bit of an like an overdraft you can borrow and they will reduce the interest rate a bit and so on but I, then I mean how does a thousand rupees grow uh, like what do they invest in it doesn't grow it's a very it's a um, it's a small, it's a saving instrument. It doesn't grow. It doesn't compound in that sense. Uh, it's just for small term, you know, thousand. you have 1000 rupees and make it into 1500 after mm. six months or one year kind of thing. I mean, I'm not a, uh, I'm not very familiar with the chit fund business hope and I'm happy I'm not. But that's from what readers have told me, that's how it works. Some people swear by it till, uh, till date. They still do it. They say, I made this much return. I have a chit fund calculator in my website somewhere in my archive. And really? I have, yeah, <laughs> I have shown people it doesn't work like that. I I, I forgot all about it. But yeah, it doesn't Busting work. Busting myths since 2000 and when? But two? 
I don't know. I I've given up about that. Uh, there's too many people to fight against. So right. that yeah, that's that. And um, then we have this new age borrowing, this uh, peer-to-peer lending, where you have some kind of middleman which, which connects the borrowers and a pool of lenders, where you don't lend to one person, but you have a pool of uh, uh, sorry, pool of borrowers. Excuse me, uh, one lender. Or a pool of lenders connected with a pool of borrowers, I should say like that. And uh, there are other variants of this, but these offer, uh, you can see the ads, they offer 10%, 12% returns and so on. And the they claim that the uh, collateral is, uh, there is collateral involved in the uh, borrowing, but it's not easy to, uh, you know, suppose I default, you, bor- you, uh, you give me money and I default and I say uh, my house is on collateral. How long would it take for me to, you know, sell the house, give it, give you the money back? It will take time. It will take maybe even years. So there's a, lot, I mean, time is money, right? You, the moment you, you lose time, you lose money. Yeah. So there, there are huge risks in it. I, I would say, as a thumb rule, anything above the SBI, HDFC, ICICI bank FD rate is risky. Wow. These are the two big to fail banks. Uh, the RBI themselves has gone on record saying we will not allow SBI, ICICI and uh, HDFC. HDFC to fail. So, which means that they, they, they can happily give you low returns on their FDs. And anything above that is some guy trying to capture market share. And uh, for by, by doing something unreasonable, maybe. So, I would say stay away from anything else. So that is, I mean, there are other kind of uh, fixed income in options, but these are the main ones. Of course, then the debt mutual funds, but the, I'm talking about direct uh, exactly. for options. So personally, Pattu, PPF has always been part of my life. Thanks to my dad. He literally dragged me one day when I was, I don't even, early 20s and say, no, you're starting this. You're going to put money in this, etc. And I, and I bless him. Before I knew it, now if I look at it, it's, it's, it's quite a corpus. Um, without me even feeling the pinch, you know, that's the beauty of PPF. I always tell people, right? Uh, and then when I could, I started putting 1.5 lakh just blindly, not even thinking about it. Perhaps I could have invested it better in another place. Perhaps I would have had more to show today, but it's a nice feeling to know that that is safe. Uh, it's always there and at least adds a little bit to my percentage of uh, debt in my portfolio. But I guess today's episode should slowly steer uh, towards the debt mutual funds, but is this a good time to uh, steer towards that? Uh, and then, yeah. of course, while I'm on call with you, I'm going to try and uh, go to the platform I invest on, and I literally type in debt and the amount of options that pop up. But to, of course, there's an entire list of liquid funds, right? Then, of course, each fund has its growth and IDCW option. Then, from liquid, it goes to something called bond fund. Um, then you go to a savings fund. Uh, you go to floating rate debt fund, etc. I mean, the options are plentiful. So how does one look at this entire world and which mutual fund, which debt mutual fund is the best for whom, at what stage in life and how we do? How would you break down this world? Yeah, so the, huh, that's a uh, long ask. So I, I think first, I think most of us don't understand how the debt fund works. And we should understand that first. So I think we will talk about what is a debt fund in very simple terms. Sure. And then talk about 
uh, how what to choose and so on. As usual, we will be getting rid of most of those categories and just focus on maybe three Exciting. or four. Nice. Yeah, that's all. And let's do the reveal on the next episode coming up next week, Patu. But perhaps as a last question on this episode, may I ask you, why do we need debt mutual funds? What are the benefits? Yeah, so the moment we start investing, we've always said you should invest with a goal. Don't invest without a goal because you, yeah, that means you're just going someplace without any direction. That means you have to think of yourself as a portfolio manager. You're not just some guy putting money in X, Y, Z, getting uh, this much return from this and so on. So you are a portfolio manager for your dream. And you've been given the responsibility unless you outsource it to somebody like Vikram, a fee-only planner. You've been given the uh, responsibility of achieving your dream. And you need a portfolio. And we said typically a person would need a portfolio of 40 to 50% fixed income and the rest in equity or adjustments thereof can be made. So you need to keep an eye on your asset allocation first. The first thing you should look in your portfolio is not your investment returns, but your asset allocation. Wow. So every year when you review it, and you should review it only once a year, uh, more frequent than that is typically not necessary. When you review it every year, how has your asset allocation changed from what it was last year? So if you started with 50-50 and today, let's say it's 60% equity and 40% debt, we have talked about rebalancing in great detail. We should reset the asset allocation back, which means take 10% from equity and put into debt or vice versa. Which means I'm, I must be holding instruments that allow me to freely take a small chunk of money out and then put it into the other and vice versa. The traditional investments like fixed deposits and recurring deposits do not allow me to do that. I have to break it. Then only I have to do that. And or I have to open a new FD. I mean, I can't be opening for a 25 year old goal. I can't have a, you know, family of fixed deposits open. That, that doesn't make sense. And uh, also, when you break an FD, you or when you when the FD matures, you have to pay tax on the entire thing. And you are paying tax every year because of the TDS. Whether you, uh, you know, redeem it or not, you're going to pay tax on the FD. Whereas, so you need an instrument where you pay tax only on the amount you withdraw. And when you withdraw. That's and it. when you withdraw. Precisely. The taxation uh, rule is the same from 1st April 2013. Both the FD as well as the debt fund are taxed as per slab. That is fine. But the amount that is taxed will be lower in the case of debt fund because of smaller withdrawals and because of the delay in withdrawal. So that is the, the, the deferring of the tax. And, and that is the taxation is always a tertiary thing. The primary thing is I can withdraw at will and I can invest at will. And that is why I need a debt instrument because I needed to manage my portfolio for my dream. What a great answer. I'm sold, Pattu. And I'll be completely honest, I don't hold a single debt mutual fund to this day. Perhaps this episode will change everything. And I've been dying to do this episode because I just don't know about, enough about debt mutual funds. And as Pattu says, we're convinced about the reason why we need them. They're such, a, such an amazing tool. It's almost like a liquidity in investment strategy, right? It's a, it's a weird concept, but that's what it is. It, it's ease of... Uh, it's ease of rebalancing and all of that. And um, 
and i hope you listen to the next episode on let's get rich with patu because patu is not only going to tell you how debt mutual funds work he's also going to break it down like we did for equity mutual funds into the most valuable and the most sensible ones that you can invest in all of this next week patu thanks so much see you soon take care bye you just heard let's get rich with patu an offspin original Isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Pattu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi, and everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly: Arshdeep Nisrani, Krishant Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi, and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pattu his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Sidan, your host. Let's get rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word, and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Pattu or me for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Pattu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people, but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. This is Offspin. Oh.